As the weather gets colder and the holidays approach, it's time to start thinking about gifts for your loved ones. And I think I found the perfect one, a coffee subscription from Leva's Coffee, the very same coffee served at Washaw's very own Dr. Jack's Coffee House. Leva's Coffee comes from a family-owned fourth-generation coffee farm in Guatemala. Coming directly from Guatemala to North Little Rock, Arkansas, the coffee is made in small batches and hand-roasted 48 hours prior to coming to your doorstep. And here's the best part. Leva's Coffee is known for their subscription services, sending fresh bags of coffee on a schedule of your choosing. You can have any roast or any flavor delivered to your door once a week, once every three months. It's up to you. Now, Emily and I drink a lot of coffee, so this is a no-stress way to get coffee delivered without having to think about it, and it's right up our alley. Just for our podcast listeners, you can enjoy 15% off your order with code TIGERS15 when you visit www.levascoffee.com. That's L-E-I-V-A-S coffee.com. Welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast, where we'll hear stories from Washingtonians from their favorite food at Waltz or the calf to their favorite Tiger Tunes shows and professors. We'll also find out what they've been up to outside the famed Washita bubble. I'm your host, John Merriman, Washita's Director of Alumni Relations. Today on the Tiger for Life podcast is alumna Abby Turner from the class of 2011. Abby currently serves as Senior Manager of Brand Reputation at Walmart in Bentonville and has a blog you may have heard of at tabletopaffair.com where she shares recipes and inspiration as she encourages you to share the table with new and old friends alike. Abby has a new cookbook coming in March, The Living Table, that's available for pre-order now on Amazon. Abby shares tips to gather during the pandemic, simple holiday and Friendsgiving ideas. She shares about the process of writing the cookbook and her favorite Washtaw memories like Tiger Tune shows and spending weekends as Washtaw's mascot, Tally the Tiger. All right, Abby Turner, welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast. Yeah, it's so great to be here. Thank you so much, John. Yeah, how are things going today? You're in Northwest Arkansas, right? I'm in Northwest Arkansas, and man, I think it's about 80 degrees today, and I have been loving the cooler weather and kind of questioning my thoughts on a long sleeve t-shirt today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never really know what it's going to be these days. It, I call it equilibrium when it's the same temperature as the house outside, kind of a weird moment, but. So weird. And you're trying to go into fall and you want all the pumpkin spice and you want all the the festivities outside. And it's like, but it feels like summer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's weird down here. Like I want to go to a football game. You know, we can't have them down here, but, you know, I want to put on warm clothes, you know, go to a football game. But it's just have you been able to go to anything up there? Yeah, I actually went to the Razorback game a couple of weeks ago and I was really impressed with the social distancing and the mask wearing and the hand sanitizer everywhere. And um, I, I didn't feel like I was at a, it did not feel like a regular football game, um, but it, it also didn't feel like I was around a whole lot of people. Um, so I was really impressed, actually. I didn't know what to expect going in, but. 
Yeah, that's good. I figured they would do it up right. You know, their alumni director and their alumni crew are friends with all of our folks here. And um, I've judged their homecoming parade. They've judged Tiger Tunes. So we're we're close. And uh, I got to go to a game and judge their parade. It was a lot of fun. Oh, cool. Yeah. No, they they I was really impressed. They did a great job. So but yeah. I, I haven't gotten out besides that, um, you know, social distancing activities with my community group and church and stuff. But other than that. Stay and hunkered down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who knew it would last this long? The hunkering down. Yeah, uh, we were talking about that last night. I think we're hitting like 200 days. It's like at first we thought, oh, we'll we'll see in two weeks, and here's 200 days. <laughs> oh goodness, I don't like it at all. But hopefully, we'll get rid of it at some point. <laughs> Definitely a different way of working for sure. For sure. Now I know you graduated from Washington in 2011, right? Yeah, that's right. So a few years ago, uh, tell us about your path from graduation to where you are now. I mean, that may be a long journey, but tell us a little bit about your path after Washington. Yeah, so I jumped right into grad school. I went down to Baylor and got my master's in um, sports marketing and then worked in college athletics for about five or six years um, before kind of transitioning into retail marketing. I moved back home, then moved up to Northwest Arkansas and started work at Walmart. That is the, um, I kind of, I guess the short version, there's a lot of other stuff that happened in there. Um, But um, after grad school, I worked at Baylor and then went out to the University of South Carolina, Um, was with Dr. Westmoreland at Samford for about a year, before I came um, back back to Arkansas and then moved up here for Walmart. So, um, and was in food food marketing um, with Walmart for about three years and am now in brand reputation. Cool. Tell us about your work at Walmart. What's that like? And what, what kind of things do you deal with with your brand, the brand marketing kind of side? Yeah. So with food marketing, everything was really about um, seasonality. And so you can imagine, um, you know, the, the weekly ads, all of that um, has to go out and all of that has to, you know, be super relevant. And then um, now that I'm in brand reputation, I really deal with some of our executives and um, telling their story both internally and externally. So internally from a, um, how do we kind of market, we say, we call it market the marketing. So how do you tell a story about what the different teams are doing the different insights we're finding out about the customer. I work in the customer organization. And so um, our goal is to really focus on who the customer is at Walmart and what they need from us and how we can provide those products, services, and, and goods for them. Um, and then externally, it's all about positioning the customer org in the right way. So if you look at holidays coming up, being the Fortune One company, we have a lot of customers across the country and we should be the experts in the customer. And I believe we are. Our teams are great, um, but it's also about positioning our teams in the right way to tell their story um, to the right people. Um, so it's a fun job. It's a full job, but it's a fun job. And so you've been working from home. Did you go home in uh, March and just kind of stay there from that point? What's that look like? Yeah. So my birthday is March 10th. So I feel like I celebrated my birthday and we kind of all talked about it at dinner that night. And everybody's like, I, I, I'm quarantining tomorrow. And we had all stocked up on toilet paper and Lysol wipes. And I mean, back in March, remember all of that stuff was flying off the shelves. And then we turned, um, I went home that weekend, maybe to um, celebrate my birthday with my family. And then 
just stayed in Little Rock. So I stayed in Little Rock. My sister came home from New York and um, it was a really fun time. I, I have a middle sister, Molly Ann. She had a baby in January. So I was able to get maybe two or three months of really good aunt time with baby Opal before I, you know, kind of came back up when things started opening back up it towards the end of July. Um, but went down to Little Rock and stayed down there and it was really nice to work. You know, we were all working remote. Walmart said, you know, we're just, we're not coming back for a while. Go work where you want to work. Um, and so it, it, it was actually a, a nice little break from the hustle and bustle of the office, if you can believe it. <laughs> yeah. Have you gone back in at all or is it still kind of closed off there? You know, we had to go back in to pick up our, our belongings. They wanted us to clean off the desk. They were having a, a crew come in and just wipe everything down. And that was probably mid-August. So we all, we had to um, sign up for a specific time. We had to go in and um, we could only stay for a, a, a specified amount of time. And then we had to leave. And so other than that, we have not gone back to the office. Okay. Do they have a set time they're shooting to go back to the office or is it just kind of... Right now they say into fiscal, which is um, January 31st. And so I guess we'll, we'll see how it plays out January 31st. We'll see if we're going back in the next day. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's just kind of a, you know, you know, daily kind of thought of when you might be able to go back, but yeah, yeah, it is. So I know that you love entertaining and share a lot of great tips on a tabletop affair on your blog and on your social media. Tell us how that blog started, your social media work started and you know, kind of what you enjoy most about doing that. Yeah. So for me, it's really been a journey and I'm not sure um, I've always enjoyed hosting or entertaining as much as I do now. So I, it's not something that I grew up doing as a young child and it's just evolved. Um, to be honest, I think my love of entertaining grew from a deepening of a relationship with Jesus. Um, when I lived in Birmingham, I'd been on my own for about five years. And I know that people that are listening to this are probably saying, oh my gosh, five years, you're such a baby at 26. I had no concept of how young I actually was. Um, but what I did know is I was lonely and I really didn't have a lot of friends in college athletics. There's no work-life balance. So you're working nine to five, you have games and events at night, um, and on the weekends. And I really had no friends and no time to do anything, but the deeper my relationship with Christ got, um, the more I was drawn to people and this desire to serve people. And so I was living alone and the easiest thing to do was invite people into my home, um, and to make a meal. And so that's when Jesus really started to ignite this passion of the importance of the table and why the table should be central to not only, um, our, our lives, but our relationships. And it's really where true connection is made. And, um, I talk about this a lot on my blog that the table, um, it was the first piece of furniture behind the Ark of the Covenant that, um, God taught us to make. So in Exodus 25, it talks about, Hey, this is what the table should have on it. And this is how tall the legs should be. Um, and before then they were eating on the ground. They, they didn't have a table and it was the last thing that Jesus ate around with his disciples the night before he was taken. Um, and so I think that the table being kind of this book ending or it's book ending this love story that God has, has given us. And 
for us not to appreciate that or to protect that, I think we're missing a big chunk of how God has kind of made us and created us. So I, the table became this point of connection and conversation where hearts were opened and friendships were deepened. And, um, and so that's kind of where all of this came from. And then I was working in food marketing at Walmart and I was working on set with all of these food photographers and food stylists from all over the country and just was, you know, I could probably do that. Not that I am a professional food stylist or photographer by any means because I'm not, but started implementing, oh, when I make this dish for myself at home, let me see if I can style it that like like they do um, on set. And so then I started posting pictures and then people wanted my recipes. And then I was like, oh, well, I just kind of do this for fun. And then it just kind of you know, turned into a tabletop affair. And I've had the blog for now, I think, uh, two and a half, maybe even three years. Um, so not long at all. Uh, but I love it. And I love the problem solving for people. Hey, I've got this coming up. What can I make? Or, Hey, I really don't like marinara, but I try an Alfredo sauce or what about a pesto? Would that work well with this? So it's been, um, a really fun way to engage with people all over the country um, and be able to make friendships outside of like my sphere, my, my Northwest Arkansas bubble. Um, but it, it has really provided a lot of opportunities and um, really helped me kind of share a, this passion that I feel like Jesus has given me about the importance of the table and all of that. So it's been fun. <laughs> I love that. I mean, how are you juggling full-time at Walmart, having the blog? I mean, working on all these projects, how do you balance all of that? Yeah. So I have an incredible boss and the joke at work is that Abby never sleeps. <laughs> and I think that that could be true. Um, I, I function off a of very few hours of sleep during the week, but on the weekends, I kind of get in hibernation mode. Um, but I, always have to remind them I'm single. I do not have kids. And for the last seven months, I have been quarantining by myself at my house. So I've had a lot of extra time. Um, but when we weren't quarantining, it, it, you know, it's all time management. I think that's something that um, Washaw teaches. I mean, college teaches you in general, but Washaw does a great job of, um, you know, kind of social clubs versus activities you're doing and, and, intramurals. And then you have, you know, your, your, um, academics and different clubs you're in. So I think that Washell does a really good job of piling everything on your plate and says, okay, we've got it. We've got to be really good time managers and the professors really help you with that. So I think I was equipped well early on, but it has definitely been, um, a, a time management task to make sure everything, um, kind of <laughs> evens out and gets done. <laughs> Lots of lists. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Uh, last couple of weeks, I know that we were all counting down with you to what we had no idea. And I was getting texts from people like, what is happening? What is Abby doing? And everyone was so excited. And then the cookbook appeared, uh, the living table. Tell us about how that started. Is that something that, you know, you dreamed up in quarantine or was it a much longer process? Tell us about the cookbook. Yeah, it's been a really long process. The living table did not start out as a living table. Um, I met with Dayspring about a year and a half ago, and they asked me to write an eight-week devotional on singleness. 
Um, and at that point I rolled my eyes and was like, yeah, probably not. Um, I am not Beth Moore or Jenny Allen or Lisa Turkhurst, or I'm not a, a Bible writer. Um, I'm not a devotional writer. I'm not, I'm not a theologian. I didn't go to seminary. Um, but, uh, they joy, um, the, the girl at, at day spring that I was working with just really pushed push me and push me. Um, and so I did not want to be the spokesperson for singleness. <laughs> I didn't want to be like my face plastered everywhere, like singleness. Um, but it really turned into building community and how, um, I truly believe that God's provision for loneliness in the old Testament is marriage, but in the new Testament, in this new covenant, he gives you community in the church and that if you are lonely, um, then you need to be plugged into church. You need to be plugged into a community because when our hearts are full of people and serving people, that's when we, we are most ourselves. That's when we are most full um, because that's how God made us. And so um, that's really what the devotional turned into. And so I wrote um, a, a book proposal for, because they hadn't signed it or anything. They wanted a book proposal for this devotional. So I wrote that and then ended up writing, um, a cookbook proposal and said, you know, y'all don't have a cookbook, you know, me being from marketing, I can, I can market, you know, dust on a table. And <laughs> so I, um, kind of twisted and I said, you know, singleness is great. It's very niche, but I think that community is really important. Um, at this point I had no idea that COVID was going to happen. And now that COVID has happened, community seems to be top of mind to people. They want community. They're craving people. They're craving these get togethers. Um, and so I kind of positioned the book as a cookbook, um, that has seven or eight different devotionals in it, all about the table and community and really focusing on micro moments. Most cookbooks are set up appetizer, main course, dessert, bread. Um, and the way that uh, the living table is set up is in these, what I call micro moments. They're everyday moments of life. So coffee date, they might be a home gate where you're watching a football game at home or a basketball game. It might be a game night with the girls. There's even a Hallmark watching Christmas movie, watching party in there of, you know, what do I make? Um, a hundred recipes, about 90 of them are 30 minutes or less. And I would say 30 minutes is like being very generous. They're probably 15 or 20 minutes. Super simple. They start with store-bought. So um, they might start with a can of crescent rolls or they might start with um, a, a box of hot chocolate and you add stuff to it um, to kind of spice it up and make it your own. Um, so really the point of the book is just to um, invite people around the table every day. I think Instagram and Pinterest have provided or created rather this culture or this mindset of Friendsgiving, Christmas party, Galentine's, they have to be big and overdone with decorations and full themes. And while I love a good theme and I love a great party, sometimes it's just about the connection that comes every day um, in these little moments of life. And so not only do I want to inspire people around quick and easy recipes that you can just whip out and dog dog ear the pages and the book gets messy, but it's also about inviting people over every day for anything um, from coffee to a game night to just, Hey, you're new in the neighborhood. How many times have you made someone that's new to your neighborhood something and boxed it up for them and given it to them? Um, I think we've lost that art. And so it's kind of taking us back and to like, let's serve others and let's serve others with food. The food doesn't have to be perfect. It's just about being with others essentially. So 
the book won't be out um, until March 2nd. So I know I jumped the gun early. I'm so excited about the book, but it's about six months out. So you can pre-order um, on Amazon right now. It'll be in retailers closer to the date, March 2nd. So it won't be ready for Christmas this year, but will be ready for everything from Mother's Day to birthdays, bridal showers, graduation gifts. So if you order it now, you're already ahead of the game for 2021. So start the year off right. <laughs> Yeah. What's that publishing process like? I mean, I, I saw the cover, obviously you had the, the book there is beautiful. Yeah. Um, what, what's the status right now? I mean, is it designed and ready? Is it in editing? Like what's that like? Yeah, it's, it's a big process. So, um, we kind of parallel pathed, um, everything and the, I wrote the, the devotionals. So because the devotionals have to go through a more rigorous process. Um, and then I sent them all of the recipes I wanted to do and they signed off on all of the recipes. And then I went through a recipe testing process and then shot all of the recipes. So I, um, we actually did that over the summer. So in hot July and June, Arkansas weather outside, it was hot. Um, but it was really, really fun, um, to go through a, a book photography process. Um, so we shot everything. So a hundred, a hundred photos and then the front cover. And I love that Dayspring really allowed me to get my hands on everything. I wrote everything. I shot everything. I made everything. Um, so it is definitely a labor of love, but we probably started, I signed, we signed all of the content in March. So from signing the content to actually getting it in stores and in people's hands. It's about a year. That's a really quick process. I think most processes are about 18 months, um, especially for a cookbook. Um, that photography process, we did a lot. I mean, they were like 16 recipe shoot days. So we were, we were shooting constantly and cooking late at night. It was lots of dishes, lots of food. <laughs> um, but it was, so, so much fun. My sister actually shot the entire book. So it has been a family affair, um, for sure. And, um, but my final manuscript is actually due today. So <laughs> I've got to, I've got to make some final little edits and read throughs and then it'll be off. And so if you think mid October is when the final manuscript gets sent off so a couple months and I'm going to have it in my hand. I can't wait. <laughs> That's so fun. Yeah, your sister is an incredible photographer. I mean, just the stuff that she does for you on your blog. I'm like, why is that so beautiful? I'm like, <laughs> I need to make this fried feta because it looks out of this world. You know, the pictures are so beautiful. Yeah, it's it is it's so fun. Okay, the fried feta actually, all of the food on my blog is actually shot on my iPhone in my apartment. So up against natural light, it's amazing what natural light and the iPhone will do now. Molly Ann is probably rolling over right now saying, Abby, I cannot believe you're saying don't hire a professional photographer. No, all the food in the cookbook is professional photography. Okay. Um, but she is so busy with weddings and um, family portraits and stuff. I wish I could have her every single day just to shoot my food. But well, I think you, you're doing a pretty good job of that. It looks, <laughs> everything looks so beautiful. Um, what's a recipe? Can you say a recipe kind of in the cookbook that you're most looking forward to getting out there? Something that if you had to pick one or two out of there that you're like, man, these are really tasty. These would be really popular. 
Yeah. So that's kind of like picking your favorite child. So thanks, John. Um, you can't do that. Uh, but I have a spinach quiche that has a sweet potato crust and I would say that it takes the cake. Um, when we were testing all the recipes and taste testing and, um, there were a couple that I thought might win. Um, but that one was the win. I mean, we could not, I probably should have made two or three of them for, for everyone because we were like, who got the last piece? That was so good. I wanted that again. Um, so that's probably my favorite, um, kind of, it's kind of like the silent, silent winner. It kind of came in late and, and took the cake. It was like, man, that spinach quiche with sweet potato crust is so good. It is one of the longer recipes because it does have a sweet potato crust. So, um, it's not one of the 30 minutes or less recipes. Um, but it is delicious. It's so good. (laughs) Did you have to get like a test kitchen to do all of the baking and the cooking and shooting, or did you just do things at home? What'd you do for them? Yeah, I did it at my mom's house. So I really appreciate that. (laughs) Um, And I was really focused on making sure that the recipes were recipes that could be replicated and created no matter what your kitchen was like. Um, And so I didn't have the fancy cookware. I didn't have the fancy kitchen. It was something that I want to make sure that from apartment to, you know, you know, biking, Yes. So you can make this, um, and it's easy and doable. Um, I even got a couple of my sisters in the kitchen with me to, to make a couple of recipes and I would just hand them the recipe and say, okay, make this. And they would have questions throughout. And so it was really a good process of, oh, I need to explain that better or wow, that's not, that's not just inferred there. Great. I'll write that in. So it was a really neat process. Um, when I say it was a family affair, we were all a part of it from doing dishes to babysitting, to taste testing, uh, to photography. It was, it was a really fun process. We shot in the garage. Uh, my mom's garage is kind of catty corner to the sun all day. And so we had some really nice indirect light, um, for all the photographers out there. They know how important indirect light is. Um, we had great weather. I mean, it was a hundred degrees, but no rain. So that was fantastic. Um, and Molly Ann likes to remind me all great things started in, um, a garage. You have Netflix, you have Apple, you have Amazon. So, (laughs) so we'll, we'll cross our fingers and pray for the living table that it reaches as many people as Netflix and Apple have. <laughs> well, I know all of our Washed Off family is going to want to grab one of those as soon as they can. So we'll link that in the show notes too so people can grab those. Uh, what are some tips on gathering during COVID? I mean, I know, you know, I've talked to Sarah Harmeyer and she's just like, it's difficult. I don't know if there's really good ways to do it, but have you found any creative ways to gather either friends and family during this time? Yeah. So I would really give you two main things. One, don't overthink it. And two, make it potluck. Um, It is really easy to um, make something in your home and divvy it up so you don't have to share serving spoons. So you don't have to be touching everything. Um, uh, I think Sterilite or Ziploc make some to-go containers, or I think they're called meal planning containers, um, meal prep containers, and they're really nice to put some food in. And then you can tie a little bow around them or some ribbon. And when you invite people over, sit outside, bring a chair, and then pass them out as, you know, little goodies, whether it's maybe a dessert box, or it could be lasagna that you divvied up and there's a piece of bread in it. Um, kind of feels like a cafeteria, but, but 
putting a bow on it, making it special, maybe writing a note in a Sharpie on top of the container um, really provides um, a level of uniqueness and personalization. People still feel like, oh, we're getting together, but we're not sharing utensils. We're not um, sharing serving spoons and going through a line and breathing on everything, coughing on everything, whatnot. So um, I would definitely encourage people do it um, right now is a great time to get out and picnic, um, but don't overthink it. We are not looking for Instagram worthy Pinterest, perfect get togethers at the moment. It is all about community. It is all about seeing each other. Um, having the food helps get people there, um, but it's the conversation and the connection that happens. That's, that's the goal. I love that. What do you have in mind for holidays? Like what do holidays look like for you coming up? And then what are some tips you might give us for holiday gathering? Okay. So Friendsgiving is coming in hot. If you have not, if you don't have Friendsgiving on your calendar yet, you have like two weekends in November to get it on there. And so start planning now, but we were actually talking about it a couple of weeks ago and my little friend group, we are doing an outside um, table with some, um, like crates for the table and we're going to separate them out and have some fun blankets on the ground. And of course, make it potluck. Um, and I think that's, that is the one thing if I cannot emphasize enough that during this time of kind of COVID and, um, social distancing and really being careful about germs, potluck is so important and not just potluck. Everyone brings a different casserole dish, but potluck, everybody brings it pre kind of pre-portioned. So whether it is one of those meal prep containers, or maybe it's a, um, a, a ball glass jar, um, that you, that you put maybe like an apple fritter in. I have over the summer, I did little apple crumbles in a little Mason jar, um, a little short wide mouth Mason jar. And those are super easy. Instead of pouring everything into one pie pan, um, pour everything into each individual container, put all 12 of them or whatever on a cookie sheet, bake them all at the same time, bring them out, let them cool, put the tops on them, tie a little bow on it. And you've got desserts ready for, um, for, for your friends giving or for your holiday. So, um, I would not be, don't, I, I really encourage people don't be scared of celebrating Yes, it's going to look different this year. It's going to be outside. It's going to be smaller gatherings, but it's about the connection of people. And if it's a Zoom gathering, do that. Tell everyone, hey, we're going to eat lasagna, but make it yourself. And let's do a Zoom lasagna night or whatever it is. Um, but I think it's just really important that we we remember that this time of year, it's about the connection of the people. And as long as you have that connection, I think our hearts are going to be full. I love that. What's one dish that you know, it, it's not Thanksgiving or not Friendsgiving without this certain thing. What's your favorite kind of go-to? Ooh, my sage stuffing. I'm such a stuffing person. Um, so in my sage stuffing, I have sausage and rotisserie chicken in it. So it is like a dish in its own. Um, it's really heavy, so you can't eat a lot of it with your turkey, but um, it's great for leftovers. And I'm a big leftover person. Um, and so after the sage stuffing gets eaten, then you put it in the refrigerator and it lasts for two or three days and you can have it for lunch or have it for dinner and it has your meat, it has your carbs, it has your veggies, veggies in air quotes. <laughs> um, but it's so good. And I just love using sage this time of year because it just has an earthiness to it that just mm, 
all of the feels for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I love it. Now, is that recipe on your blog or is that one we have to wait for? Nope. It's on my blog. So it is on there and I'll probably be sharing it in the next month or so getting ready for Thanksgiving. So make sure you, you look at that on Instagram. Um, I link everything in my profile. So, um, it's easy to kind of click over to the blog and find the exact recipe, um, with one click. But yeah, I, um, I had to put that, I couldn't save that one for the book. It, it is definitely one that everyone needs right now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a super big stuffing fan. You know, any kind of dressing, stuffing, I'm here for it. Love yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's so easy. It's a casserole dish, put it in the oven, cooks itself. Yeah, what's the main ingredient there? Like the, is it cornbread kind of stuffing or is it? So I actually get French bread that's already been cooked or baked um, just from the store. And I cut it into cubes and I, you know, soak it in the mixture and kind of press it all down and put the sausage in there and the sage. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I can't wait. I want it today. So it's nice and cool cool to make me feel all the fall feels here. Um, I saw that you hosted a tunes rewind watch party. Looked like a ton of fun. Tell us about your party. Tell us how. Okay. So it was my college roommates. We, except for, for one of us, Meg is in, in Dallas, but Bethany um, Whitfield Marshall and then Natalie Gregory Smith um, was up. We're all up in Northwest Arkansas and we printed a banner that looked like JPAC. We cut out uh, a, the where the TV screen went. And so it looked like we were watching the tunes show in JPAC with the lights. It was so much fun. We had cookies with the Tiger Tunes Rewind logo on them, but it was just so much fun. Yeah. What were some favorite rewind moments in the show? What did you enjoy about doing that? I mean, we all miss being obviously in JPEG, but what were some favorite moments for you? So I don't think I actually came to tunes in 2016. And I think there were maybe two or three shows from 2016. So those shows were really new for me, loved them. And then I um, loved seeing the 1990s shows. Holy cow. The, the bananas were so funny. Was that Chi Delta or Gamma? Uh, Gamma Bananas. Gamma Bananas. They were so funny. Oh my gosh. I loved it. Yeah. The Chi Deltas were chickens, which I thought was really fun too. Oh, and the hatch. Oh my gosh. She comes out in her little egg hat. Oh my gosh. I thought it was so cute. Yeah. It it was so clever. And I love that you can do a whole song just like balking like a chicken and it's so great. And it, it was hysterical. We were like, oh my gosh, we need to know who she is right now because that is hysterical. Yeah. Somebody found her on Facebook. She looks the exact same, like she's never aged. Oh my I mean, gosh. It's just fascinating. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we weren't going to put an, any of the old host stuff on there. And as I was looking through the 90 tape, I thought, oh man, we got to get this opener out there. It's too fun. Yes. And I mean, I loved how they were even feeding the the mic lines to them off the stage. And there was a live band. My mom loved reliving her, her tunes moments. Like, did you see that's what we used to do? Yeah. Y'all have it so easy with Stephen Gent now. <laughs> we used to have to have a live band. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Dr. Sells came down uh, Monday, you know, just to say great job and, and encourage me on that. And he just said, I love seeing what Mitchell looked like. I'd never obviously seen that. And um, he just loved it. And then he started singing peelings from the banana show. And I just cackled like hysterical. That's so funny. Yeah. The president singing peelings in my office was pretty I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. So thanks for hosting that party. We are really trying to make, you know, lemonade out of lemons down here in the COVID times. And 
it seems like everybody had a good time. Yeah. And we even got very competitive in a group message about you've got to give the E's have to win. The E's have to win. Give, give, give. So it was really fun. We were all getting after it at about nine 30 hoping, Oh my gosh, the E's have to win. (laughs) Our tunes director came to me and said, I said, you know, how was the E party down at the, you know, they were at the intramural field watching. And she said, it was more like a war room. You know, they were calling everyone like, I need a gift. I need you to do this. And so I thought that was really funny. I pictured just like big party on the lawn. No, they were, it was a war room. (laughs) No, it was, yes. We were getting after it even in Northwest Arkansas with our group messages. So, well, they were strategic. I mean, raising money with the t-shirt fundraiser and giving that last minute. I mean, they, they really did a great job fundraising. I mean, Gamma did as well. Just some some great money for scholarships going into it. You know, we thought maybe we'll get 10,000. I don't know, but maybe not. And then as it kept going, you know, now we can actually, I was afraid we wouldn't be able to give any scholarships away, you know, oh, wow. yeah. so I'm very, very pleased. And then hopefully we'll be able to do something in the spring as well. So, well, and we were talking about how, um, how impressive it is and what a testament that that giving is to the connection that you have at Washita. Um, and that with, um, you know, being in a club or being on campus, being involved in Tiger Tunes, being a part of, of OSF and how it just really builds this pride and, and you, you love your university. You love to give back. You want other students to have the same experience you had. And I loved a couple of the OSF scholarship testimonies that were a part of Tunes Rewind. I mean, I think that it's just so important to continue to ground ourselves in this is why we give because we had a great experience. We love this place and we want others to have that, have that as well. Yeah, especially with, you know, COVID and the changes families have endured. And I mean, it's more important than ever to help, you know, students be able to stay here. And not the truth. So very thankful for that. Um, we're going to switch over some Washita uh, memories from your time as a student here. Uh, we have this segment called Fast Fay Fives. We just kind of find out a little bit about your Washita experience. So um, did you have a favorite professor while you were here? Okay, so there were a lot. Um, I would have to say I was a music major when I came into Washita and I love dearly loved Miss Mary Worthen. Oh my gosh. Our voice lessons were such a, a just breath of fresh air. Um, I also loved um, participating in the business plan competition with Dr. Bruni and Dean McKinney. So um, I think those relationships have still um, are still there and, and you just you continue building all of that. I also think that um, I have a great relationship with Rebecca Jones. Mm -hmm. Um, She was never my professor though. So not sure that that counts, but um, man, Washtaw just has some great professors that want to invest in people, whether you're, you are their students or not. Um, They, they want you uh, to have a good experience and they're there. So um, yeah, I would have to say that Rebecca, Mary Worthen, Dr. Bruni, Dean McKinney, those those come to mind when you say favorite professors. That's fun. I had no idea that you started in music. So did I did that as well. So did Emily and we ended up in mass comp. So did you end up in business? I did. Yeah, I think I had about five majors while I was at Washtaw. I was kind of the, um, at, at one point my mom said, Abby, you have got to major in business um, and just we will figure something out after college. <laughs> So I was like, okay, yes, okay. I was athletic training. I was dietetics and nutrition. I think I was poli sci for a minute. Um, I mean, I just thought I was going to, you know, I was good at everything, right? 
Yeah, it seems like you've used little bits of all of that probably in your in your path. I have, yeah. I, I definitely knew what I loved. I loved communicating. I loved sports, and I loved food. So I'm doing virtually all of that now. <laughs> That's awesome. I love how all of that kind of comes together to you know, prepare you for where you are. That's yeah. awesome. Um, favorite tune show? What what are what, one or two of your favorite shows? Yeah, you know, I um, whew, I loved. The Gnomes, I think, because Molly Ann directed it. So I think that I'm not a good sister if I don't say that. No, but the Gnomes, I mean, I still sing when I hear Home on the Range. It's still Gnome on the Gnome on the Range, right? Um, I also loved the um, toy soldiers that we saw on Saturday night. So great. But a little disappointed not to see the Ada doctors in the tunes rewind. I loved when they were all throwing the babies up and singing Justin Bieber. I mean, talk about throwback. Yeah. You know, I had uh, shows in my head that I thought would win. And as the votes were coming in, I was like, I was all here for Ada, Ada doctors. Like that's one of my favorite shows. And I was like, interesting as it passes, you know, and you know, some of them you just knew, like you knew that Kappas were going to yep. pick coal miners. It's just a thing. Yeah. Uh, and for a long time, up to the very last minute, the Beta Elves show from the late 90s was winning. And I thought, well, that's interesting. That'll be fun. And last minute, it jumped a ton for Astronauts, which is one of my favorite shows anyway. Yeah. But yeah, it was just fun to watch them all roll in. But also interesting. I kept thinking, huh, that's not what I expected. Or- well, and I also loved the E-Circus Um, I think that was my senior year of high school. So when I came for like Tiger Weekend or whatever, they were the circus. And I loved all the animals and the the lion tamer and all of that. So um, uh, I I love Tiger Tunes. I could go on. (laughs) Me too, for sure. It's one of my my favorite things. Um, Was there a favorite meal or a favorite gathering you had as a student? I mean, I know that's one of your favorite things to do now is gather folks. Um, Do you have like a favorite event that you remember from your time here? Yeah, I loved Crossroads um, on, I think, maybe Wednesday nights. Um, We would all go over to Dr. Cluck's house. And, you know, honestly, I don't remember much about who was there or what we studied. But I do remember that Dee Dee Baldwin and Debbie Cluck would make these um, apple fritters with Mountain Dew and Crescent Rolls. And to this day, I dream about those things. They are so good. So ultimate foodie over here. I don't remember what we talked about or who was there, but I remember the food and it was good. Well, I'm going to have to get a hold of Debbie and see if we can get that fritter recipe on here too. That sounds and I think that they're just like apple cut apples um, wrapped in a crescent roll, shoved in a casserole dish with um, maybe cinnamon sugar sprinkled on top and a whole can of Mountain Dew. Super easy. But man, they were so good. <laughs> it doesn't sound like the Mountain Dew would be a thing, but that, I mean, I want it right now. So <laughs> yeah, it's so good. So good. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, when you were living in the Delft going to school, what were some of your favorite things to do on the weekends or when you weren't in class? Well, a little, maybe not well-known fact, I was the mascot for three of my four years. So by far, weekends were consumed with football and basketball games um, and the tiger suit. I was Tally the Tiger. Um, And so that was in the fall. And then, of course, spring and baseball. I'm a big sports girl, obviously. So that's what I did. But my roommates, um, my my group of friends, we were really big game players. So we would have a game of spoons or nerds going in the lobbies of whatever dorm we were living in at the time. Um, and, and so that was a really big weekend for us. And then of course you can't 
forget El Perion. I mean, was that like a Saturday staple or what? Yeah, we have not been back to LP since COVID started. And I, I mean, every day I think maybe it's today that we'll go maybe back. But they're doing awesome. Like they're, they're staying safe. Like, you know, we did get takeout one night and they were all masked up back there. And I thought, Hey, doing a good job there, LP. I'm a fan. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that COVID hasn't taken them. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was also, definitely, definitely a memory of college. Yeah. I'm also glad that you had another memory than Walmart. A lot of people just say, um, I just, we just go to Walmart all the time, you yeah. know, in college, but which is also a fun thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Walmart and Cracker Barrel, right? Maybe right. the pilot, get an icy. There you Sonic. Go. Yeah. Burger Barn, you know, all, all yep. the best things. And hey, is there a favorite spot you have on campus, a place that you just really love to go when you come back or love to the student? Yeah, I'm not sure I'm a true gosser if I don't say gosser dorms. Um, but at Christmas time, I loved the lobbies with the Christmas trees um, and just how it just got you ready for Christmas break. I'm a big season girl. And so when the when the Christmas trees would go go up and then you knew that the um, you know, the orchestra or the you'd have that Christmas wind concert, you'd have festival of Christmas, you'd have a choir concert. I just, it was all the nostalgia of, of the holidays. And it just felt like a really good Southern Christmas. I love that. But I also love the student center. I'm a big people person, big Chick-fil-A person, frankly. So that was always a fun spot to hang out. Um, always got a parking ticket though. You know, Mr. Baumgartner always got me down there. Um, I, I'm not quite sure if he had an alert on my car GPS or something. He knew I was parked there. So they're pretty serious about these parking tickets. They are very serious. I don't think I could graduate without paying them or something. Yeah. I had an alum get a ticket while sitting in their car. No. <laughs> it's like right in front of her. It's like, Oh, Hey, I'm here. <laughs> I was like, can you lay off the alums a little bit? You know, if they don't have a student ticket, be nice. Okay, next time I'm on campus and I see Baumgartner, I'm going to have to say that. I'm going to be like, hey, I'm an alum. No tickets allowed. I love that. You know, like Christmas time here is going to look a little bit different. We won't have students from Thanksgiving on and no festival of Christmas, but there is a online Washtenaw Christmas special in the works, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, current student songs, some alums have turned in some songs for us, videos, so maybe a, a point of grace appearance, maybe a Barrett Baber appearance and things like that. So I think it's going to be fun. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I'll have to keep my eye out. Yeah. We're trying to do as much as we can to keep some traditions, even though they're a little bit different. Well, Hey, I think that that's, that's really the point is that um, traditions are going to look a lot different this year. They might even look different next year. Um, but it's really about connecting with people and remembering what is you know, really important. And I think with Washtaw, you guys have done such a phenomenal job with Tiger Tunes Rewind and reconnecting everyone um, or keeping them connected, even in a time when it feels super, we feel super disconnected. Um, So, and that, you know, that goes for not only, you know, Washtaw, but in, in gatherings, like we talked about, um, you know, celebrating the season is going to look different, but it's not about having the perfect spread. It's just about having people around and the spread just helps them get there. So. I love that. Hey, it's been great catching up today and uh, getting a little glimpse into your world up there. Anything else you'd like to say to your Washtaw family out there today? 
Yeah, no, I mean, just the living table, I would really appreciate a pre-order, um, a share. If you're not following me on Instagram or Pinterest, um, if you don't get my weekly newsletters, subscribe to those um, on the on my blog at atabletopaffair.com. I, I think that it is so, um, so cool to see how your university, even being removed 10 plus years, um, still comes and rallies around you and supports you. And um, so I'm, I'm super thankful for my Washtaw family and for how much they do support me. But the book comes out March 2nd. Look for it. I'm so excited. Love that. Hey, we're so proud of all you're doing up there and the work you're doing at Walmart and your blog and everything. So cannot wait to get my hands on the cookbook. That is uh, our anniversary weekend right there. So maybe I'll see a gift in the future there. But um, so excited about all you're doing and just thankful for the difference that you're making up there, the way that you gather people and can't wait to I continue to follow you as you continue on your author process and all of this. So yeah. keep it up. You're doing great work. Thanks, John. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Tiger for Life podcast. Be sure to rate and subscribe so you won't miss out on future episodes. Oh,